Is this thing working? Is my mic on? Are we live? Have I done Hello. all the right things here? <laughs> Hello. Welcome on? everybody to the very first live streamed episode of the Gaming Careers podcast. Hopefully people recognize my face on this channel anyway, uh, but if you don't, <laughs> my name is Pete Wilkins. I run the Gaming Careers YouTube channel, educational channel all about live streaming. Some of you might not have seen Ben before, but but keen viewers or listeners to the pod will have heard his voice before, that's for sure. Um, so I'll introduce you, Benjamin Green. How are you from over in the States? <laughs> I'm good. It's actually a decent time of day for me today. It's not 6 a.m., so I'm happy to be doing this time. I know you're a little bit later over there today. How are you? Yeah, so we've we've uh, we've moved times, basically. We uh, we used to record the podcast because it wasn't live-streamed um, nice and early for Ben. What was it, 6 a.m. that you had to get up to, to record it? Because <laughs> you had to do yeah, it before work, work, of course. <laughs> um, but now we want to get all the American viewers in, so hopefully, hopefully we've managed to sync up time zones nicely. It's not too late here. It's only like 5 p.m., so, you know, it's just Monday evening. Um, but before we get started... I just want to say, I did not expect to see so many people coming into the first live stream chat. It's incredible to see like so many familiar names, people that I've seen in the Gaming Careers Discord um, over the time. So awesome to see so many people in chat introducing themselves and saying hi. It's, it, I did, I really didn't expect to start off with such a such a popular stream, but we've got plenty to talk about. Um, where do you want to start here, Ben? Because there's been a lot of news over the last week, a lot of controversy. Um, we thought we'd dive straight in, didn't we, with the thumbnail as well. If you you saw the thumbnail, it may have been a spoiler, but we got to start off strong with the first live podcast, Pete. And we got to go right for the big topic off the bat, I think. And I think we have a new way to actually talk about stuff this week with this format, correct? Yeah, so we can, uh, one of the nice things about live streaming a podcast is we can can share things on screen. Because previously, a lot of people listened to the podcast, um, but we didn't really ever share anything even in the video version, did we? So we can sort of look at twitch clips and tweets and we've got plenty of things lined up for the pod today to hopefully help break down some of these topics the hot tub streamer one though this is this is an interesting topic um because it's one of those things isn't it where it's been i feel like discussing what people can and can't wear on stream has been an has been a discussion since twitch began <laughs> it's always yep. been going on there was body painting there was low-cut tops there was differences between what male and female can show and it's, it's always a hot topic but the, i've never seen it kind of blow up with so many people having such an opinion as as this new hot tub meta so i mean maybe there are some people out there that don't really know what this is so i guess i'll explain it um because really, it's it's the vagueness of, of Twitch's terms of service. That's what it comes down to. You can argue about who you think is in the wrong. Personally, mm-hmm. I think Twitch as a platform has to decide, really, what they want to do. Um, but a lot of a lot of streamers, well, not even a lot, but there's a lot of people linking to these streamers. So I guess they're, they're being made quite popular, um, are maybe rightfully or wrong, wrongly abusing the terms of service, which which state that you can wear swimwear in the correct setting so if you're in a swimming pool or in a hot tub so a, a lot of people now are putting hot tubs into their stream rooms and <laughs> streaming from there and it's kind of um i feel like it's one of the things that's being talked about a lot more than it's actually a problem so it makes it sound like it's a bigger problem than it is um but it's got to the point now where twitch actually addressed it this last week uh, in a live stream that they did or dj wheat did on their main twitch channel so we have got some clips from that but um first of all i guess i'll get a bit of an opinion from you, Ben. What What do you think about the the hot tub method? What When's your hot tub arriving? You said you'd ordered it recently, <laughs> right? 
yeah it's gonna get right behind me i'm gonna do all my streams out of that pretty soon that's it's gotta be a comfortable way to stream i'll say that it's very very soothing to be streaming that long that way uh no i think it's a very controversial topic that we talked about there's a lot of different takes on it i think kind of like you said it's just been taught to death at this point because of the different opinions and and the response that we saw come out from twitch which i think we'll show here in a sec um and like you said it really comes down to a terms of service thing i mean you can argue whether people should or shouldn't do something, but ultimately it's kind of Twitch's choice as to what they allow on the platform, right? And so I think that's where the frustration has come from from some people as to whether they think that the TOS should be more strict or that people are doing things that are already against TOS. And so it's just interesting to not see. I mean, Twitch kind of had a response to DJ Wheat. This was their their Twitch chatter or let's talk kind of thing that we talked about before. So this is, I think, one of the first ones that they've done. And I don't know, I, I think really it's kind of up to the creators to do what they can with the TOS that we have um, and up to Twitch to kind of respond to that. But we haven't really seen a super strong response yet. Yeah, one thing I will say, I've seen like some people who, I, I swear it's the same people that would say this about any category of streamers, but the people that feel like these hot tub streamers are stealing their viewers. And <laughs> I just don't agree with that. <laughs> if you really think that your content it, it appeals to both people that want to watch hot tub streamers and your stream then you must have some kind of crossover there i don't think they're stealing your viewers i think it's people that will come to twitch that want to watch that kind of thing that end up watching that kind of thing i, I don't necessarily think that they're leaving your stream to go and watch somebody in a hot tub but who knows M maybe it is a bigger problem but yeah this is the first team first time we've really seen twitch address it I will say I really like that Twitch is hopefully running this weekly or, or monthly Let's Chat live stream because there is a lot of concerns and there's a lot of issues that always get brought up about Twitch. And um, I 100% thought they were going to skirt around this. I don't know if you thought they were going to address this in the first stream, like the, the hot tub meta. So it was interesting to hear them address it in the first stream. Yeah, I didn't think they would, honestly, because we've seen these things before and they always avoid the hard topics. Like, I'm sure people talked about the doc ban in that, in that stream, and that was definitely not talked about, right? And it's never going to be talked about by Twitch. But the, the hot tub thing was, and I, but the problem is, we'll talk about the clip in a second, but the way that it was responded to was not great. And so I'm worried that would make them kind of worried about addressing other hot topics in the future because of how this first one went. I don't know, because it really was not super great for how DJ Wheat handled that and the fallout that came came after that. Mm. Let's let's uh let's actually roll the clip then. Let's see what we're talking about here. So um hopefully you guys can hear this. At Twitch, that this has been getting a lot of attention from the community lately, and we have been watching closely. Our nudity and attire policy does allow bathing suits in an appropriate context, and hot tubs do fall under that criteria. However, what has not I've just realized that I've got this playing back at one point <laughs> one point five times speed because I was gonna I, say I, I'm one of those people that, I'm one of those people that watches everything <laughs> at like two times speed. If you listen to this podcast at one time speed, there's something wrong with you. We speak too slowly. <laughs> so it's four X for the yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's four X for the right podcast. There. I'm slowing it back down to one X now. Back on. Changed is the sexually suggestive and explicit content is not allowed under the guidelines under the TOS, and Twitch will take action when that is reported to us so i understand that people are upset about some of the content that might be you know out there and um i think there's two things i want to take away uh, from this first and foremost the teams are watching this they're they are looking at it the nudity and attire policy, you can go and review it. It does allow bathing suits. 
um, right in the in a proper context, sexually explicit and sexually suggestive content is not okay. And uh, again, action will be taken if it's reported to. But I want to talk about two two. Th Let's before before we jump into the the, the two solutions. <laughs> I'm putting these solutions in my inverted commas here. If you can see my webcam. <laughs> uh let's first of all talk about his his kind of stance on it because twitch is kind of just standing behind their terms of service here they're, they're not they're not necessarily saying that they think it's bad they they still think that these are people using the terms of service correctly and they're using it in proper context so to speak i mean you could argue is it proper context to then put a hot tub into your <laughs> into your room just so that you can wear a bathing suit but i i don't necessarily think what these people are doing to stream is wrong it's really down to twitch as to whether or not they want that on their platform so yeah i mean kind of the impression you're getting from it is they're saying hey if you think it's an issue you should report it um and then we'll take action so really they're kind of saying we don't really see an issue right because they're going over some of the stuff right now that's kind of the implied response from this so and he goes further into it through the clip but it kind of seems like you should just report it if you want to although i know there's a lot of criticism around well we have reported and nothing happened from people who think it's a problem. So I think that's where the frustrations come from. Yeah, it definitely seems like he skirted around the answer, didn't it? It's 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 mm -hmm. a strange one for him to want to handle on stream because yeah, you can't you kind of feel like you'd want a rehearsed answer or at least to have thought through like what you want to say because he's a Twitch employee, right? This isn't just like somebody's opinion. He's he's streaming on the Twitch channel here. This is Twitch.tv/slash/Twitch. So this is this is a, as close as we can get to like Emmett telling us what he thinks about it really is to have an employee as high up as uh, DJ Wheat, mm -hmm. somebody that's been there for as long as DJ Wait, sort of stating his feelings. And it sounds like they're just going to, they don't think it's wrong. They're standing behind their terms of service. So I don't know. I, yeah. I think that's the implied answer. And he is kind of, because they're doing this as official Twitch, this is on the Twitch channel. Uh, he's kind of the representative for Twitch for this, right? So I don't know if it's just his opinion for what he's going through with this, with this experience, but he's really kind of whatever he shows here is it, it represents all of Twitch as a whole. So I guess that's kind of how the platform feels right now. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some other responses come out in the next week or so, because this has got so much discussion now and it's the first time we have an official response from Twitch. So I wouldn't be surprised if they iterate on it, but we'll see. Yeah. It's one of those things that we're definitely going to have to follow and see if they tighten the rules. The, the, the weird thing is, is that they don't consider it, sexually suggestive and i don't think it takes a genius to watch one of these streams and realize the whole point of them is to be sexually suggestive yeah i think the, the point is that some of them are being abused right like there there is a case where this thing makes sense for streams and there's the case where people are just trying to get around loopholes essentially to do this and that's kind of what it feels like you're moving towards i've seen some for example are really crazy i'm not going to name any names but some are I'm, I'm very surprised they're still on the platform in that sense so i think that's where people are getting frustrated for and not like the 90 percent of people who are fine doing just regular streams where that's totally allowed yeah i mean it all, you also have to think about you as a twitch streamer ben when you're telling friends or family friends and things like that oh i stream on twitch you want <laughs> to be known as you, you want them to know what that means and if the next time they're like oh let's actually see what ben's doing they go to twitch and like something like that's on the front page. It doesn't exactly do your credibility a load of good. So it kind of um, lessens the term Twitch streamer, I think. I think people are going to be mm -hmm. a little bit more uh, like reserved about sharing where they stream almost if, if Twitch doesn't do anything about it and think it's, thinks it's fine. Because 
I don't. I'm, I'm not a parent. You're not a parent. But if you if you walked in on your young son or daughter mm-hmm. watching Twitch and that was one of their options to watch, you wouldn't exactly feel great about that being on the website, would you? Yeah, that's for sure. One of the points I've seen, um, and also on the advertising side, there I think there was one of the hot tub streamers actually. There was a quote. I don't remember who it was, and I probably shouldn't name them anyway. But something like this: this is going to affect Twitch's bottom line badly, but it'll affect mine well. So if you think about advertisers. It's probably not the reason they're coming to Twitch is to advertise on streams like that versus the the known audience demographics on Twitch. So I think if it does keep going out of control like this, it could actually impact the bottom line for Twitch a little bit. And then we'd probably definitely see a response on that side. I mean, part of I, I saw somebody tweet. I can't remember who it was, but somebody just shared, why doesn't Twitch just make a breakout 18 plus version of their website? Um, and compete with OnlyFans. They they already have all the technology in place. They probably you know would be able to make absolutely loads of money, and then they can keep Twitch as the you know the PG thirteen version. But I very much doubt that's going to happen. Let's let's listen to the rest of the clip because he you know DJ Wheat's got a couple of solutions for us here, Ben. <laughs> Things. First off, is that we think that it is important for you to be able to control the content that you see. Right, whether it is a hot tub stream or it is a game that you don't particularly like or a creator that you you don't necessarily fancy, not everything appeals to every person. And I understand that that is uh you know, that is that makes a lot of sense. We as creators and as just humans, there's things we love, there's things that we don't love. So I want to show so, uh, everyone that that this exists too, and I, I hope that that you will start using this. Um, now I know this is just kind of a supplement to the answer overall, um, but did you know that you can actually click these three buttons right here, and uh, you can say, you know, I am not interested in the game Fortnite, and you can click on that, and it will not show me Fortnite related streams. I love that he uses Fortnite as an example there. He's planned <laughs> I, that I out. endorsed that pick. He's like yeah. choosing. He's like, I need to work out which game I can offend here. Fortnite. It's been it's been too big for too long. Um, I mean, I think you get the 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 vibe here as to what he's talking about. Essentially, I think the same thing exists on YouTube, doesn't it? Where you can you can sort of click the three dots, choose that you're not interested in a certain stream or a certain category, and then you shouldn't have that recommended to you anymore um i'll I'll mute it and just keep playing the clip because he that does then show that if you you know if you accidentally click that you're not interested in somebody or in in a certain category you can go into your settings and undo that if you wish to so um this is pretty cool i guess that twitch has added this it's definitely not a solution this is like (laughs) the a minute a minuscule implementation of of what would be considered a fix but it is a nice feature because as Twitch gets more popular, you're definitely going to be able to want to shape your front page as you do. So yeah, here's the bit where he's showing basically that you can you can cancel um, the I'm not interested in a category or in a certain streamer. Um, so yeah, I mean this this is nice. It's nice. It's nice that Twitch is doing it, but it again just feels like something that they've quickly put together to hopefully stop the amount of hate that they're probably getting on Twitter about this whole thing, rather than really just stop making the terms of service so so broad and so easy to to understand in different ways it's so gray like isn't there? there's so much middle ground where you can play with these terms of service and say well it's not sexually suggestive i'm i'm in a hot tub so you know it's fine mm-hmm. why, why do, they should i think spend more time really nailing down so streamers know what is right and wrong and i know there was a lot of clips from dj wheat through the week of him 
skirting around topics about you know i'm a streamer and i want to know what is right and wrong i saw somebody emailing to twitch partner support saying that he wanted to do a cooking stream and part of that he wanted to cook a lobster but he didn't know if that was allowed or not on stream to to cook a lobster that was live um so but he didn't get any response and his point was like there's no way of finding out about these kind of things and finding out if if i'm allowed to do things like that so they just need to clear up the whole terms of service i think and really make it easy for anyone to understand and i don't i don't i don't think that any of these girls or people that are doing hot tub streams at the moment are doing anything wrong because they're just skirting around the terms of service you don't have to worry but if you don't want to watch them you don't you don't watch them it's it's down to twitch and whether or not they want them on the platform and like i said it does affect other streamers just purely because are you then embarrassed to tell people that you're a twitch streamer because <laughs> they're thinking yeah. oh right what's your swimsuit like yeah and so he did say it's a stopgap solution is the not interested thing so i at least will mention that but the other issue was they showed that um this doesn't always work on some channels too i think there was the clip that came out someone showing the promoted streams which i think happens when channels actually can it's a channel points reward that we talked about before correct mm. when, when that goes up that can't be not interested in on the on the home page if that makes sense so there are some times where you just can't block the stuff for your home page I think that is a potential cause for concern. Obviously, you should be able to block promoted streams too. And I don't know if it was the channel points thing or if it was actually Twitch promoting that. In that sense, there's a whole other discussion there, I think, to have. But uh, yeah, there's got to be more control over just being able to filter that kind of stuff um, when it's not in a game category too. I think that's where it gets tricky. Yeah, I mean, even if it is um, viewers using the channel boost, you know, boost the streamer functionality, you should be able to still report that as you're not interested like why would that make a difference as to why you as a viewer are interested or not in it so i don't quite know what these promoted streams are but yeah i've got that up on screen now for people um somebody discovered that basically you can't mark streams that are promoted as not interested so you, you, you technically can't <laughs> you can't hide them from your feed um, i think that's probably more likely to be a bug rather than you know something that's intentional uh, but we need right. to really understand what that promoted thing is. I don't know if that's maybe just in certain countries and maybe something that we don't see in the UK or US. But uh, yeah, that that seems more like a bug. But I, I think this whole topic really, um, obviously, we're two men talking about it. So we, we don't right. have the widest context and understanding of how this can affect other streamers. And, you know, there's plenty of non-hot tub female streamers that I think feel various different ways about this whole thing. I've seen a lot of the top streamers like Pokemon and valkyrie i know that she's not on twitch anymore but um have opinions on this kind of thing and it obviously affects a lot of creators in different ways and it's good to be having this discussion and holding twitch accountable to hopefully either making some kind of clarity in their terms of service or at least letting people know is it allowed isn't it allowed because right now they're kind of just saying yeah it is allowed because it's not sexually suggestive and i think a lot of people disagree but right. we've, we've covered we've covered the hot sub, right? We've covered the thumbnail that we've used for this live stream now. So <laughs> Sadly. Um, should we move on to the esports uh, certification news? Yeah. So if you guys didn't see this, um, which actually just got an update even this morning, it seems like uh, there was a esports certification that came out last week uh, from esports certification institute basically the idea was it was comprised of a bunch of industry people in gaming who were coming together to form a certification you could you know pay for a test essentially to take it's like 400 dollars test and then that was supposed to be something you could use as a way to get into the gaming industry and in esports or orgs or you know whatever part of the, kind of the org you want to get into um there was a, a lot of controversy around this because of the price tag i think mainly um 
because it was $400 to get that certification. And then even then, like, it's not really guaranteed you're going to get anything. The reason they, they made this, according to what they said, was to try and get around nepotism in, in the esports industry and gaming and trying to make it feel like you can actually work towards it and be qualified for a, a job as opposed to getting it through networking and knowing the right, pe- the right people for the job which has historically been the case. So uh, this actually just this morning, I think they completely canceled it and refunded everyone who's subscribed to the, or had bought the course or the training, that kind of stuff. So it's actually been rolled back because of all the response. But uh, Pete, what'd you think about seeing all this kind of come in the past week? Yeah, again, this was something that was sort of announced. I don't think many people knew about it apart from the the advisors that were behind it. Um, and instantly negative feedback people just retweeting that they got into the industry without having to pay for a 400 dollar exam and all these kind of things and you know i think i do think there is a problem with the esports industry and trying to get a job and there is there's probably far too many people that have to start by doing free work and favors or you have to know the right people to to get a job um and as this becomes a more legitimate industry we're gonna see things like this come come to place you know you're gonna see people try and put certifications behind it and whether that's a bad thing or a good thing i don't necessarily know if i think it's it was as awful as a lot of people said it was but it has to be done in the right way it has to actually be useful it has to be a test that is hard enough to pass that you 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 as an employer know that this person is good and qualified to work in the esports industry and it kind of looked i think to a lot of people that it was you know pay four hundred dollars get a certificate and then you're probably not going to get a job anyway because uh, they're still going to look through your CV and see you're not qualified type thing. Um, but like you said, this is blew up and the website actually doesn't exist anymore. I can't believe they took the website down so quickly. I went to try and <laughs> try and get something to share on my screen here, um, sort of looking at the advisors and the website's down. It just goes to like a Word pe- WordPress login. I find I <laughs> thankfully did manage to get to the um, the archive, the web archive of the advisors page because it's an impressive roster of people like i think this is one of the things that really took a lot of people by surprise was the quality of the advisors behind it um i'm showing some on screen now but a lot of these people you know own esports organizations or uh, businesses that work in esports or at least in like the streaming industries got big names like carlos owner of g2 sean plot obviously um really a, a very very stellar advisor board so you've got to think that the idea behind it was was probably good. A lot of people agreed with it and probably the test was was pretty good as well if all these people had input over the test. But I'm just so surprised at how quickly it crumbled and has now been deleted. So yeah, I've got a couple of tweets here. Um, this one from the Esports CI uh, Twitter account, which basically just says, you know, like, we got it wrong. Thanks for all the feedback. We've read everything. Um, we have plenty to fix and much to iterate through. And this was you know, uh, April 29th. And then literally a few hours later, the, the CEO basically said, we've, we've made the decision to take down the ECI certification. Everyone's getting a refund. And now the website doesn't exist. So it's like, it's gone full circle so, so quickly. <laughs> I can't believe that they kind of backed down as easily as they did. I kind of thought from, from the eSports CI tweet that they were going to refund everybody and work, work on it to make it better. And they may still do that. But this, this tweet from the CEO makes it look like they kind of just pack their bags and realize like they they don't want all the backlash from this and they're going to step away. So yeah, really interesting, like full, full loop basically. But uh, how did you get your, your entry into esports, Ben? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so I, so for context, I do work in the industry. I work for Lenovo, if anybody doesn't know. Um, I actually just kind of found it 
I threw a startup and then essentially that was a gaming startup for three years. Then that was experience to get me to Lenovo. And I got kind of lucky with that first start. So I'll, I'll be honest, like having experience is really important in the gaming industry and having some sort of way you get foot in the door. Um, so I think that the idea behind this is actually pretty good. And if you have real advisors that are giving really credible advice on how to break in, like what kind of skills you need in the industry for whatever job you're looking for and some really good knowledge. Um, they even talked about how esports changes a lot, which is true. And so whatever the certification is or the path has to change a lot. But the problem is they paywalled it behind this certification. And then like even if everyone gets the certification, then does it really help you stand out at that point if it's the only one you can get? So there, were, I think there's some problems with how they actually executed on it. But the idea makes sense. I think really like even if the advisors could do things that aren't behind a paywall to talk about like how can you break into the esports industry or gaming industry to find jobs, what kind of skills do you need? That kind of stuff would be really, really cool um, with the board they have. Because like you said, the board is really impressive for people that are behind this program. I just, we need some better execution on what it looks like. I don't know, you have thoughts, Pete? They did mention that they had um, like a scholarship program. Um, but, you, you know, it's not hard for them to make a scholarship program and give one away. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's whether there's actually any substance behind that. Um, I think people were just taken back by how much of a cash grab it looked like. People in the esports industry and the streaming world are like so, so quick and finicky to point out anybody that's trying to make money. And I think that is a problem, but like it's also a good thing because it's such a new industry. You can you can call a lot of shady behavior. You know, we have so many peripheral manufacturers that for years just slapped gamer on the peripheral, <laughs> charged more or maybe an RGB color choice on the peripheral and charged more for the, for the gamer tag. And it's good that people call stuff like that out. So... Yeah, in, so, in some ways, I like that people were straight away saying, you know, I don't believe that you should be paying $400. But a lot of people must be questioning the advisor board. Like, there, there's so many good advisors on that. So there, there, there must be some good work that has gone on. So maybe it will come back in a different format. Maybe it'll be an online course rather than <laughs> rather than a written test. We'll see. But mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting to include this week just because both of us have... I mean, I, I don't know if you call my job in the esports industry necessarily, but before I did this, I did do some like freelance videography for, for esports organizations. I flew out to America with the G2 CSGO team and like made a documentary of their tournament out there. And yeah, it was kind of lucky that I got that basically just that I had a good enough show reel of, of working in random esports projects and just mm -hmm. favors of mates and things like that. So it is, it is a difficult industry to break into. I just think as it becomes a more legitimate industry as time goes on, there's going to be better ways of getting into it. You're probably going to start to see, you know, university and college degrees that specialize in certain aspects. And, you know, the the, the organizations in this esports industry um, start to offer internships and things like that. Hopefully it's just going to slowly nurture a way of, of people being able to get into what is yeah. a rapidly growing industry. And I think like, so I talked to a lot of people in interviews and things from some orgs like TSM and Intel about how to get into this stuff. Cause it is a problem for people. There's a huge demand to get into gaming with a career, but actually doing it can be very challenging. The thing is, I don't think you always need to, like, you don't need to pay $400 for a certification to do that per se. I think you can do a lot with just building up a portfolio, like you said, in videography or whatever it is you want to do. There's some way you can get experience with that for free and then translate that to show what you've done to actually get a job in the future. So I think that's where I had some, some doubts about it. Again, I think the board's really cool and they could do a lot of education around that piece. Like what kind of skills should you develop? Okay, go develop that now and build a portfolio, then come back, not 
buy a certification that doesn't show you actually have done anything yet. Like for, for all the hiring managers or people in the industry I've talked to, the experience is way more important than being able to pass a test essentially mm. of knowledge. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, we've probably given that enough time. We have a few new Twitch uh, updates this this um, this week. Let's go through them now. Some, some are bigger than others. The first one that they they tweeted about was was chat replies, um, which essentially is allowing you to now have a thread where you can reply to a certain message in Twitch chat. I think there's a hotkey as well, maybe like Alt Enter or something like that. Um, again, a lot of people didn't really like this, and it's going to make chat reading chat really messy for those super popular Twitch streams. Um, I'm not really sure how much pressure there was to implement something like this. Like, are, are people trying to have so many different conversations in chat that you want to reply to each other? I guess this is more for for the small small to medium streamers rather than the big streamers, where like chat is chat is an overall like hive mind. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, this is weird because I actually they add this to Discord recently, and I didn't like the feature at all at first. And then suddenly I use it all the time. I don't know what happened, but I love the feature now. So I'm glad they're rolling out to everyone on Twitch. It was in some Twitch channels originally as a test, but now I think it's going out to everybody. So I actually will use it. I know it felt a little clunky at first, but now I, I miss it if it weren't there. I don't know. Have you used it on Discord or anything yeah, yourself? The thing is on Discord, though, it's useful, especially if a lot of chat has happened. To so say you come back to your computer after, after lunch or something like that, a lot of chat has happened. Did you want to make sure that the person you're replying to knows that you're replying about that certain message. But does that happen on Twitch? Like, are you getting back to your computer and replying to a 10, 10 minute old <laughs> chat message? I guess if chat is moving super slowly, then maybe you are. But um, I did watch a few Twitch streams today to see if anyone was using this. Uh, in the bigger streamers, it doesn't seem like anyone's really using it, but maybe, it, maybe it's more prominent in the smaller communities. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some channels where there's multiple conversations going on between people and I could see a use there but then again like why use twitch for that just move to a different platform because it's gonna be hard to have like a long conversation just between yourselves on twitch so i don't know i think it's still a nice feature to have you don't have to use it either so i mean you just avoid using it if you don't want to see it there i don't think you can turn it off in your channel as far as i know that might be nice for creators too in the future yeah again that is such an easy win for twitch if they make these features that some people think they might not want if they make them the option the option for the streamer to be able to enable and disable them like you, you can't lose as a company then twitch because people can be annoyed but you can just tell them they can turn it off or you can make it off by default and yep. ask people to enable it i guess they want to try and keep the number of options that a streamer has to get through like relatively simple uh, i don't hate it i don't see myself using it loads um but it's interesting that you bring up the discord side of things because i do use it on discord so maybe i'll start using it more on twitch uh, next up, we have uh, the slash me commands. So for those of you that haven't been on Twitch for, for more than six months and haven't seen people try to troll donations, this method, uh, you used to be able to type slash me and then whatever you want. And the rest of the text would appear in the same color as your username in the Twitch chat. So you saw a lot of... Um, I, I'm assuming kids, but it could just be immature people in all honesty, try and bait streamers with fake donations this way. So they would do slash me donated $100 and maybe less experienced streamers would would read this and because it was in a different color to the rest of chat, they would think, oh, this is official. This has officially come through Twitch or something and would thank them for their donation. But re really it's just people that knew about slash me. Uh, so the update here really is just the color is no longer, it just goes into italics. So. I don't see anybody using this feature for, for anything anymore. Like it's, it's basically like a Facebook status, isn't it? In, in Twitch chat that you, that you write in. Um, 
it's so funny because whenever Twitch releases any kind of update, you can see people getting annoyed about this. And I'm like, it's such a minimal change. Like, who's getting annoyed? <laughs> the, the people that are getting annoyed are probably the, the people that baited streamers with the slash me because it doesn't really make any difference if you're trying to use this command legitimately. But um, yeah, such a minor feature, but I thought we'd cover it just because uh, maybe not a lot of streamers knew what slash me was before this. Have you ever been, have you ever been trolled with this? Yeah, about once a week. I saw actually a resurgence of that recently. I don't know why. Um, it's a fun little feature, but I don't, I'm not going to miss it that much. I used it maybe like once a year, maybe. Um, the problem I think was people actually found a way for it to look exactly like system messages because I saw some guy on Reddit, <laughs> like if you change your username to be gray and then go to a new line and then type system has banned you or whatever, it looks exactly like an official message from Twitch. So I could see why there's actually concern people found a way to make it add a link in there or something or abuse it essentially for other people in chat too. That makes sense. And again, I, I'm not really going to miss the feature that much. It was kind of a cool thing, but I mean, how often do you actually see it used in streams? Yeah. Tiny, tiny feature, but that's a good point. If people are sharing how to make it look like a system message. Yeah. Uh, the last note, probably the smallest feature is that Twitch have added um, a whole load of new sports tags to um, their system. So if you're, if you're streaming sports, you now have a huge list of sports tags that you can add um so this is a tweet from zach bussy who tweets a lot of twitch news um you can see pretty much any sport you could imagine is now available as a tag so i think there's there's a good argument that twitch are gonna chase sports we've talked about it a few times on the podcast this year haven't we that they've they've signed deals with uh, some basketball leagues and things like that mm -hmm. the one interesting one i saw on this being british and you obviously being american is there's football slash soccer so i'm imagining they're <laughs> two separate tags but I mean, there's not an American football on there. So if I want to tag my football, which you guys call soccer, as football, is it going to show up in the wrong tag industry? You know, <laughs> they needed to make a stance here, American football and football or soccer and football. It's just, it's too confusing as to what we should use over here. There's also athletics, which just encompasses every sport. So <laughs> I guess if you need to be something crazy, you can uh, football maybe is athletics. Who knows? I think it's cool though. I don't, I hopefully we'll see more sports coming to Twitch. Like you said, they signed, I think a wrestling league and a basketball league and you might see more in the future too. Cause it just helps expand the range of non-gaming stuff on Twitch, which is cool. What, what is, um, pickleball? Uh, that sounds like something in the UK. I felt like no, no. we have cricket over here. That one's on there. And I know no Americans understand the game of cricket because it's complex with the rules, but I've never heard of pickleball. Maybe somebody from chat can let us know what on earth pickleball is. I can't. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not Googling it live on the podcast. We've got to take some, we've got, we've got to be safe in some aspects on this. So I'm not going to start typing in search terms that I don't know. But yeah, those were fairly minor, uh, I guess, twitch updates um but they do they do roll out little updates so it's always nice to cover them in the podcast um next up i guess we can talk about the this the song trader acquisition do you want to mm -hmm. you want to talk about that yeah so if you guys know pretzel rocks which is a pretty pretty common uh used music service for streamers because of the licensing it takes care of and offers a bunch of libraries of music for you to use on stream without dmca words uh song trader acquired them recently which is pretty cool um, I didn't read a ton through this one, but 
anytime that a, a service like that gets picked up that was kind of made for streamers by a, a broader company is a good sign that, that that company is doing something right and that there's kind of a broader acceptance for that in the industry. So this is super cool. And I hope that we see uh, a bit more stuff like this come to other services in the future too. Did you see a lot more of this? I just kind of briefly skimmed this one. All, all I really read into is just how big of a company Song Trader is. Um, because to somebody that doesn't really know anything uh, about music and and copyright and things like that it might just look like one small company but another relatively small company but song trader has like fingers in many different pies when it comes to music licensing and music in general so i think it's a pretty big deal for them to acquire pretzel and probably means that we're going to see pretzel be one of the big providers of of copyright free or safe music for you to use on your live streams Mm -hmm. um because pretzel really has pushed as that is their sole direction. It's just live streams, right? They've really gone after that market rather than, you know, companies like Epidemic Sound, they're a bit more open, you know, YouTube videos, live streams, podcasts, TikToks, things like that. Pretzel wants to be the live stream one. It's the one that had the the, the chatbot implementation. So I think you could use it for free. I don't know if you still can, but it, it has some messages that have to go into your Twitch chat whenever you change song and things like that, just to make the, the service more popular. If, if they've been acquired for a decent amount of money or song trader are going to you know keep putting money into the platform then we're going to see a bigger library of music that's the first most obvious um solution so it's a good thing for us content creators i think um more money in any of these companies is hopefully going to mean a, a bigger library better features more education around what you can and can't live stream which still needs to happen mm-hmm. i think um We've talked a lot about DMCA this year, um, so I guess this is this is a company realizing that it is a problem and hopefully helping Pretzel. I, I never know if I should be calling them Pretzel Rocks. Their name <laughs> their name is clearly Pretzel, but the URL is Pretzel dot Rocks. So I, I've always thought they were called Pretzel Rocks, but I guess that's just them saying, you know, we we rock and our name is Pretzel. <laughs> I always call them that too. I, I'm just going to keep calling Pretzel Rocks, to be honest, until they correct me. But I think it's cool because, like you said, they have some features for Pretzel specifically where they will link in the chat who the artist is and things like that. So it seems like Pretzel is a pretty good solution to support other artists, actually. Uh, Soundtrack had that potential on Twitch, but then the execution left a lot to be desired. So maybe the reason that SongTrader picked Pretzel is that they can actually use some of the artists that are out there to get on here for some some advertising things like that because one of the big things that's really cool about twitch is that it can really give a lot of exposure to new artists who are coming up or ways to get the word out there about music and while i think it's great to have you know a library of stuff you can use that's copyright free it, you could be helping another artist grow that has really good music at the same time so it seems like that's kind of the ideal solution actually for dmca down the road yeah and we're gonna see i wonder if musicians now are going to want their music to be on these platforms you know if if pretzel really takes off with twitch streamers and newer artists start to realize how much value that can create then they're probably going to ask their label how can we get you know how can i make my music dmca safe and one of those solutions might be to, to list it through pretzel so fingers crossed it means a greater variety of music because i, I feel like the the dmca safe music has kind of we saw it didn't we with the metallica twitch live stream it started as like 8-bit music or like really really generic lo-fi beats and things like that and slowly we're moving towards a better selection of music it doesn't sound like you're using such a such a cheap library and you're, you're starting to use some <laughs> realistic music now um so hopefully it continues to be that way and maybe one day we can live in this future where the music industry understands that it could be valuable to to have your music playing on a live stream and 
and you know we can we can wish can't we ben um <laughs> but yeah that's the dream uh so by the way i just want to say i can't wait till we can show clips like that on the stream now that we actually have a way to show that kind of thing oh <laughs> yeah the, the, the metallica one yeah that is an absolute yeah. classic i think i've saved that like um um i downloaded it to my pc just to watch it every so often i just i still can't <laughs> believe it's not a joke that somebody has edited in that music it's actually what they did live twitch out of all channels um speaking of twitch <laughs> uh next up we're talking about the phantom lord case um did you follow this because being being a League of Legends player, you must have remembered Phantom Lord from the OG days of, of Twitch, you know, when it was a really small website. Uh, but we're yeah. going to talk about the, the lawsuit between Phantom Lord and Twitch, which has been going on for three, four years, I feel like. It was ages ago, wasn't it, when all that CSGO gambling stuff was going on? Yeah. Man, it makes me feel old. Yeah, so if you guys don't know Phantom Lord, he was one of the bigger streamers on Twitch. I think he had a couple records for viewership. Um, and he got involved in this whole CSGO uh, gambling scandal where he owned the site that was being run on. And if he got banned essentially off of Twitch for that in 2016. After that, he sued Twitch for $35 million in damages um, <laughs> for what he claimed was unsubstantiated false accusations. And that started in 2019. The actual the court proceedings started then. Only this year did they actually end. And he actually won the lawsuit against Twitch on all counts, but he did not quite get the three point, sorry, sorry, $35 million. He got $20,000, which is slightly different than the, what he was going after. Um, but still kind of interesting to follow this case. I honestly kind of did not expect the case to go through or even get close to being uh, in his favor, but he apparently won everything, which is pretty interesting. Uh, people, you know, the streamer of Phantom Lord aside, I think the whole case is kind of interesting to look at bans on Twitch in general and see that they actually apparently can take this to court now as a viable thing if you're banned on the platform, uh, depending on the allegations. So interesting to think through other cases, too, of some other streamers you might know who've been banned from Twitch. Mm. Uh, Pete, you have thoughts on this one? Yeah, that is an interesting point. I think a couple of things to point out here is he, um, Phantom Lord, will have been on a super old Twitch contract, like like really old probably one from right back in the day that wasn't particularly professionally written and i think since then twitch has really you know up their game with the contract team and they have much more bulletproof contracts i'd like to think and if not if not yet then they definitely will be after having lost this case they'll want to make sure that you know if they ban a twitch streamer for whatever reason they seem viable they don't have to pay out and go through like three years of of uh, lawsuits so it is interesting that he won. Obviously, the funniest thing is like his his tweet of like, I won, Twitch lost everything. <laughs> like he literally was all claps. I think it's got it at the bottom here. I won my lawsuit versus Twitch on all counts. And like he sued them for 35 million and got 20 grand. Like that's, <laughs> you didn't win 35 million, mate. But um, I guess I guess winning versus Twitch is, is, a, is, is something interesting, especially when we know that there's an ongoing legal battle of some sort between Doc, Dr. Disrespect and Twitch, like, where's that going to go now that there's, uh, you know, there's actually proof of a case that mm -hmm. somebody they got banned for reasons that they don't believe was in their contract winning. So um, interesting going forward. I feel like one day we'll learn about the reasons behind Doc's ban. But whilst it's a legal process, if this one took four years, then we're probably going to be waiting till 2023 or something. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? I want to know the details on that. I, I again, I don't really care as much about the Phantom Lord unban, more just the fact that this actually went to court and kind of sets a precedent for maybe we'll see more lawsuits come out for older contracts. Again, like you said, it was an older contract, so 
some of the newer ones are probably way safer and will be even safer from this point from Twitch's perspective for the courts. But I don't know, maybe some other banned streamers will come out because there have been a couple other big ones have been banned who could try to follow this if if uh, Phantom Lord was successful. So we'll have to wait and see on that side. I think what one thing I read, and I can't remember where I read it, but um, was that part of the lawsuit Phantom Lord's lawyers had requested from Twitch um, the earnings for like the top 100 streamers on the platform. Because like you said, Phantom Lord used to hold some records. I think it says it in this article here that he used to hold the record for the most concurrent viewers at 143,000. So a big number, even though he hasn't streamed for like four years on the platform. Um, so I wonder if, if, if Twitch did have to release these figures, how much these big streamers made, if that's then going to become public in the documentation because i believe in america like a lot of these documents from from lawsuits get released to the public so mm. people can find out those kind of things and then well clearly phantom lord's lawyers were trying to use that to to up the amount that he was going to receive um so maybe they didn't do very successfully if he didn't receive twenty thousand. like his, his, law, his law fees must have been <laughs> more than that i would have imagined but maybe yeah. twitch had to pay for them uh, but just this was interesting just from the og like watch i've been watching twitch since it was just on tv so i definitely remember phantom lord's league of legends streams and then his downfall into csgo gambling and that's kind of something we've seen a bit of a resurgence now on twitch there's like a lot of streamers streaming gambling and mm -hmm. I, I personally i feel like that's probably a bigger problem than the hot tub streams uh like arguably more detrimental to uh, to like a 14 15 year old that's on the platform watching their favorite streamer gamble like insane amounts of money um but you know I'm not I'm not the mother or father of Twitch, so I don't make those <laughs> decisions. Yeah, there's a lot of other like scam streams going around too. If you've seen the CSGO and I saw somebody doing an Elon Musk fake stream where they're like, giving away Bitcoin, things like that. So there's a lot of weird things that should probably get fixed on Twitch. I think hopefully we'll see better systems to deal with that kind of thing or just some TOS changes in the future too. Uh, so you also had recently a thread on YouTube, actually. You put out on Twitter, I think all socials, but I saw it on Twitter. Do you want to talk to that a little bit as well? Yeah, this is, um, obviously, I, I realize a lot of people listening to this podcast probably don't follow me on Twitter. So I wanted to to at least mention this um, because it was a thread that I started writing and just kept kept adding to through the day. And then I was when I got to the end, I was like, I should have made this a video. Like there's so much content in this thread that I ended up making. It probably will turn into a video at some point and this will just be the skeleton that i'll build around because um if i bring up the tweet of activity here yes it's had over eighty-five thousand impressions so even though not a massive amount of likes clearly a lot of people that reshared it did end up reading and going through it uh, but i wanted to put what i've learned about youtube into a thread because i recently i think the day before this i crossed three hundred thousand subscribers and i see so much misinformation about youtube and the algorithm and you know the algorithm favors this over this and i can't grow it because of the algorithm and this kind of stuff and even bigger creators being getting annoyed that their videos haven't been pushed by the algorithm and you know i fall into that camp it is a, it is frustrating when you work really hard on a video and it doesn't get picked up by the algorithm so to speak so i just wanted to to share some info on it and i'll go through a little bit here i will say that this is the last topic that we're talking about so if anybody has a question in chat we like to do a viewer question every week obviously this is the first time we've done it live but put your question, if it's about streaming or whatever, into the chat. And hopefully, Ben, if you keep an eye on that, you can pick out a, a question that we can cover at the end. Yeah, I do want to say some people are asking if this is live or premiere. It is live, guys. Hi, we're, we're actually <laughs> broadcasting. So let us know in chat your questions now and I'll keep an eye out while we're talking about this last piece here. Yeah, thanks for that, Ben. Um, so what have I learned about being a YouTuber and growing 
gaming careers to 300,000 subscribers. Obviously, thanks to thanks to a lot of people that are watching in chat today. Um, the main point, if there's, I'm not going to read this out verbatim because you can just go go and find the thread. It's on it's on my Twitter. It wasn't wasn't that long ago. But the main point that I really wanted to help people understand is that the YouTube algorithm is designed for videos is designed to find videos for viewers not the other way around so a lot of people think from the creator side my video isn't getting pushed out or promoted by the youtube algorithm and that's why they're complaining but the youtube algorithm is designed the complete opposite way around it's designed for people that arrive on youtube and want to watch something and they the algorithm is trying to recommend videos that that viewer is going to want to watch and enjoy watching and hopefully keep them on platform and like I've said here, like all, all, all platforms that have any kind of posting of media, they, they really just want two things. So this goes for YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, even Twitch now, because Twitch has got its own recommendation feature where it's trying to recommend live streams. They, they want to keep you on the site for as long as possible. Firstly, because, you know, they make money by you being on the site, running adverts, all these platforms do. But secondly, if they can keep you addicted so to speak to the site then hopefully you'll you'll keep coming back and recommend more of your friends to come and it just helps them grow their business model youtube is no different in in that aspect and the algorithm really is just trying to serve that purpose of trying to keep people coming back to the platform every day because they enjoy the content that they're seeing so if they can recommend better content to the person then hopefully that means they'll stay on youtube for longer i talk a little bit about like the history of the youtube algorithm how it used to rely on clickbait um I literally, this was the funniest screenshot for me to get. I wanted to put like some media with each tweet, each tweet. And I was like, how can I, how can I talk about clickbait? Because none of my videos are very clickbaity. Um, and then I just literally typed in Jake Paul pregnant and he had like six videos. <laughs> and I just took a, a screenshot of like the, the top two, um, you know, clearly clickbait uh, videos, you know, with some, with some she's pregnant text. Um, he, he clearly makes one like every year. So his audience just grow up, but forget clearly. Uh, but clickbait <laughs> is used less now. Um, they look at they look at metrics that are much more to do with still click through rate, but then what watch time does that result in? Are people satisfied with what they clicked on? Does it represent what the thumbnail and the title was? Do they then watch a lot of that content? Because they're trying to measure the quality of that content. Um, I shared a screenshot here from one of my recent-ish popular videos about the Twitch streamer microphones. Um, you can see here I had the the thumbnail and title have 4.8 million impressions, which means that that you title and thumbnail have shown up together in youtube 4.8 million times and then from that 5.8 percent of people end up clicking on the video which is which is pretty good for for my channel and how many views then result from that click-through rate um but a lot of people chase a high click-through rate and they end up changing thumbnails and titles very quickly when they have a low low click-through rate on youtube but it's a complicated statistic because actually your most popular videos will often have the lowest click-through rate number. Again, showing an example here of, of one of my more popular videos, uh, which is 100, 100 tips for Twitch. Um, this has got 44 million impressions, 90% um, of YouTube recommending my content and just a click-through rate of 2.1%. So it's, it's a really low click-through rate for my channel, but that is because it's being broadcast and suggested to the widest audience. So. YouTube is basically pushing this video out to, to people that have never heard of me, never seen me before, maybe just shown a tiny bit of interest in live streaming or a tiny bit of interest in Twitch to see if people will click through it because because it's performed so well with similar viewers. They push this out to more people. So the click-through rate drops, even though it's a really popular video. Does that make sense to you, Ben? 
Yeah, I was actually going to ask a point on that. So you mentioned that people are quick to change the title sometimes if it doesn't perform well. I've done that. I'm guilty of that. Do you recommend doing that? Like, have you ever done that? Or you just kind of leave it and it is what it is after that? Oh, absolutely. I do. I do change them. Um, and that's one of the things with, with being a YouTuber is you, you really... Uh, are proud of some content that you put out and then if it doesn't perform well you you want to question why and that's that's natural and that's what you should be doing what i do is i usually leave it for at least a week um to really get an mm. understanding of how it's performing because then you can look at not just the click-through rate but also how many impressions it's getting and what the view time is from that so you can understand you know did i really just miss the mark with this video or are people just not clicking clicking on it when they see it because if you've got a good a good view time a, a poor click-through rate then you can probably understand mm. that it's down to down to your thumbnail um i then use the TubeBuddy extension which has like an i think maybe one of the premium plan plans has like an a b testing feature where you can literally set two thumbnails and it swaps them every day and then at the end of 14 days or whatever you set it to it gives you a report based on what had the better click-through rate what had the better watch time which thumbnail and you can do this for more than just the thumbnail you can do it for the title or the description or the tags uh, not that those things make as much of a difference title does but description and tags right. are, are less impactful now uh, but that's a really useful tool that i use a lot if i do need to change a thumbnail and quite often what i've been doing recently actually is making making two thumbnails for my videos and then putting them up on a poll on instagram and just getting a really quick like one hour response and i haven't got many followers on instagram but even if you get 100 responses you get a good idea mm -hmm. as to you know what the general vibe is which one would people click on but it's, it's so psychological, isn't it? You can't always just say which one you would <laughs> click on because you, you don't actually know what you would have clicked on. There's a, there's a couple of good tools that you can use like TubeBuddy. Uh, I, I then go on into a bit more detail about how the algorithm, there's different algorithms based on suggesting on the homepage versus suggesting in the up next. Um, this is really useful if anybody wants to read through it. I don't want to go through it word for word, but um, I guess I guess I can sum up with some of the tips that I had here about how you can use that info. So think about how your thumbnail and title come across to new viewers who have never seen your videos before. So like we talked about my 100 tips for Twitch streamers, that's being suggested to loads of people that have never seen my videos before. So maybe it makes less sense for me to have my face in that because people don't know what my face is uh, and I really just want them to grab their attention and hopefully get them in. And then think about the content of your video. You, you need to be providing value uh, by entertaining, educating, or inspiring videos, uh, inspiring viewers. It's, it's beneficial if you can do more than one of these combined. Um, I've, I typically educate and I probably want to try and work on bringing more entertainment into my, into my content. But no matter what kind of content you're, you're making, you need to think about the value that you provide. And that value can s simply be entertainment. It doesn't need to be providing an educational side. It can just be fun to watch. Um, so cut the fluff. Attention spans are short. Keep your videos engaging and experiment. This stat that I, I had to Google this, 300 hours of content are uploaded every minute to YouTube. That really gives you a sense of how big of a platform this is. So experiment, try different things. Like, especially when you're a small, a small channel, trust me, you, th you think it's easy when you're a big channel, but I, I am envious of small channels and they get to experiment, try different content. They don't really need to worry about how it lands with their audience because the audience is so small. Whereas when you get to a, a bigger size, and I wouldn't consider myself particularly big by any means, but you lose that ability to experiment so much because um, you obviously have an audience that expects certain type of content from you. So yeah, I'll, right. I'll leave this tweet down in the thread below. Um, and I will definitely at some point make it into a video because it ended up being... A fair amount of work and i think a fairly useful topic <laughs> clearly a lot of people found it useful uh but yeah that yeah, probably sums it up great 
<laughs> lots of knowledge in there. And I, so I'm just kind of on like the newer side of the YouTube journey. And it was very helpful for me to read through some of that stuff in your perspective. So thanks for sharing that. And I would definitely love to see it in the video, like you said, in the future. Absolutely. Um, we did have a couple questions come in there. Are, I think some quicker ones. Then we have another question to ask as well. First one was, why is Pete still wearing a hat? Did the haircut go awry? Ari? Awry? Oh God, I didn't realize that somebody was actually going to pick up on this. Um, the haircut <laughs> isn't, isn't too bad, isn't too bad, but I went on the too short side of things. I have a video going up um, early this week, actually, uh, where I haven't got the hat on. So that's how you sell a video to your viewers. You don't show them the results now. You tease them into uh, thinking about it later. So yeah, there'll be a video going up. It's not about my haircut, trust me, but my haircut does feature... <laughs> <laughs> but good Haircut to know good to win. know i have some fans because when my hair was when during lockdown my hair was just growing and growing and growing i didn't get any comments so i was like oh maybe people don't mind that i have like shoulder length hair now <laughs> but clearly <laughs> clearly somebody does know because people do recognize me from the youtube videos at the end of the day so thankful thank you for the question <laughs> that was a good one i think that was from uh van kraken gaming so thank you for that man we also had a quick one from ron mower who said uh, I know that after we stream, the video does not process more than 11 to 12 hours in the VOD. I didn't know that, actually. My question is, is that, will, is that, will that count towards the watch time hours, uh, I think, to get affiliate, I'm guessing, and things like that or other requirements? So does the VOD count towards watch time hours? Yeah, over on question. Twitch. Over on Twitch, mm -hmm. I believe it does. Um, so it doesn't matter where you get in the watch time. Uh, I think it would be harder to warrant that in partner application. Just because I know mm -hmm. that the, the partner applications, they're like super scrutinized who your viewers are. I've seen a few threads of, of people that have like had a few embed viewers that have clearly always watched it through an embed and they've really struggled to get partner just because of like these few viewers. So I'd imagine when you get to partner, the scrutiny is much tighter as to who your viewers are and where they're coming from and are they watching your VODs or your live streams. But I think for affiliate, it would count for both. Mm -hmm. I think so too. I don't know that you're going to get a huge chunk of people watching your VODs. That's not super common, at least compared to live viewership on Twitch. Uh, but I guess if you're trying to get that mark, that could help you out a little bit. Uh, last question was from Metalfish, uh, and this was about Gilded. Said, have either of you tried Gilded? Do you think it could ever compete with Discord? So, mm -hmm. uh, Pete, do you know what Gilded is? Have you seen it? I have definitely typed in the URL, and I think I've maybe watched a <laughs> video or two about it. It looks very similar. I can bring it up, actually, on the, on the screen Oh, share. we can do that now. Yeah. That's right. Um, <laughs> fancy. It's basically a competitor to Discord, right? Yeah, for the most part, I think it actually can work with Discord too. So well, I haven't I've actually. Seen, I've just seen the title is "Drop Discord, Get Killed." It. They're not even being subtle <laughs> about this whole thing. They they literally put it right in their header. Yeah, that's fair. I I know that they integrate with Discord to a degree, and I think it's more about events was one of the standout features that I saw. So you can see in in the third tab here, you can actually create like raid nights or team practice nights, things like that, to help with that type of thing. But it looks just like Discord, to be honest with you. Um, I have not tried it. I've not downloaded it and really poked around too much. Uh, sounds like Pete probably hasn't either. But I, I don't know. Do you think that Discord has a competitor in Gilded based on this first impression? I mean, Ben, it's got threads. It's got replies. What more do you <laughs> That's need? All we need. Um, That's right. I've, I've seen that there is also, I think, some monetary side of it. Like you can run a community and have like a subscription base built into Gilded where they get access to certain channels or to be able to join you on, on I don't know, streams or something like that. Um, I need to do more research into it. It looks pretty clean from the website, I've got to say, but it does also look very, very similar to Discord. Uh, 
so I'd, I'd hope that they're going to be able to build a feature set that moves away from discord whereas right now it looks like it's basically a replica and since all your mates are already using discord why would you move across yeah i the thing is so discord i talked about this before doesn't really have a real competitor in the space right now i mean you can say there's like teams and slack but nothing like in the gaming space really um the thing is i don't i don't have a complaint with discord you know in mm. a different way than like twitch and mixer and that kind of stuff i don't really have an issue with discord i don't know do you well no and especially since the news came out that they weren't going to do a deal with microsoft uh because i think a lot of people were worried about you know microsoft ruining the the discord experience like they have done with some other acquisitions um mm. it looks like discord's probably going to go for public fun funding which is definitely better for us consumers because you'd hope that uh that's going to be you know less influenced by a big company um you know signing with xbox live or whatever that microsoft would have done with it um so they do need a competitor though because you always want a competitor as a consumer True. don't you it's going to push them in the right direction and we talked a bit about how slack is maybe a business version of discord and there's definitely going to be version like i think steam and origin they all try and build their own like little community features that are kind of similar to discord but nothing nothing that handles such a vast array of of gamers like right now like you can have a discord mm -hmm. with five of your mates that you use for team voice when you're playing a game and you can have a discord like the gaming careers discord with like ten thousand plus members in and it's stable for both and i don't really think that there's another solution um but I'll, I'll i'll give i'll tell you what my promise for the for the live stream is i'll <laughs> i'll download gilded i'll try and find a service to join and see what the experience is like because i think it's a good question and uh, i'm always interested in hearing about competitors to live streaming platforms or or apps like discord that we use every single day so pretty good question i think ben yeah absolutely i, I think it does have potential the events thing in particular again there's not really a tool for that in discord besides using bots to integrate so if it's built in that could actually be pretty cool for certain types of groups that need that uh, i think somebody else in chat said that uh valentine said all the nitro features of discord are free on gilded which is kind of cool i guess the animated emote and some of the higher uh, channel thresholds, that kind of thing. So it could be worth checking out. I think the hardest thing will be getting the word out for Gilded because Discord has spent, what, five, six years now trying to build their base. So Gilded has kind of got to catch up to that. And so building that could take a while. Mm. And that's why there's so much value in, in Discord and why we're seeing like the $10 mm -hmm. billion acquisition that Microsoft was trying to do. They've got so many users so many users emails and that's what all the, the value is tied up in so we'll yeah. have to see but yeah i think uh good question let's go back to the the full screen for us um good <laughs> question I'd, lo I'd love to be able to get more questions in every week but we do want to be respectful of your your hour-long lunch break where we can hear ben uh not run into the <laughs> evening i think this was a great success i've had an absolute blast i can't believe how many people came in to watch um for people that do normally listen to the audio version, we'll still be putting the audio version um, out on all the traditional podcast platforms. Uh, but now we do have a bit more of a visual element. So I would encourage people to at least try and stop by for our live stream, uh, maybe maybe next week. But it'll be every Monday, the exact same slot. So that is, let me get my time zones right. Uh, four, <laughs> nine, 9 a.m. PST. PST. 12 a.m. Yep. EST. Yep. 5 p.m. BST. I know that BST. nobody uses BST except for us in Britain. I've never it's, it's, it's British honestly. summertime. It's British summertime. But I've got like at least five <laughs> viewers that, are, that also have an English accent. I'm sure of it. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for everybody coming and and listening and asking questions and being so active in the chat. I saw that we even had like a super chat, which I'm gonna have to work out how that works because this is the first yeah. time I've ever streamed to YouTube. Um, but yeah, really appreciate everybody coming and hanging out. Um, 
I'd love to say that I'm going to do a really slick segue into like the outro music, but I have not got that planned. So it's just going to be a goodbye from me and uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Peace. See you guys.